Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, today I want to speak to you on avoiding the trap of temptation. Avoiding the trap of temptation. I think this is something we need to get right if if we're going to do life well. And certainly I've realized that the better we can avoid the trap of temptation, uh, the better life generally tends to go for us. Isn't that right? And if you can avoid temptation, your finances will certainly be better. Your marriage will be better. Your family will be better. Your work will be better. And of course, we are more likely to stay on the path that God has set us on. And I think all of us know good people, even once godly people who succumb to temptation a little bit too often, and as a result of that, they are no longer serving the purposes of God. And, you know, it's that time of the year. We're now three weeks out from Christmas. It's what we know as the silly season. Isn't that right? And I think it's often at this time of the year where people are often more prone to giving into temptation than at any other time of the year. And I think the reasons are fairly obvious. Uh, People tend to drop their guard. We tend to be a bit more relaxed. Uh, There's a lot more socializing that takes place. There's work parties, office parties, uh, Christmas parties. And, uh, you know, many people also uh, tend to drink a lot more alcohol at this time of the year than they normally would. And uh, people end up making decisions and and giving into temptations that can often have disastrous long-term consequences for their lives. Uh, Now, I read an interesting news article recently that told of a nursery in Canada that was trying to track customers down who had bought poisonous plants that had been incorrectly labeled. And uh, there was a young guy who worked at the nursery. His name uh, is Michael Bono. And he was supposed to label the plants as follows. All parts of this plant are toxic. What he instead did was he changed the label to read, all parts of this plant are tasty in soup. And uh, what he was doing, he was really just playing uh, playing a practical joke. He thought his manager would see it, they'd all have a bit of a laugh, and then they would uh, change the labels. But unfortunately for him, no one saw what he did, and a whole lot of customers ended up buying these poisonous plants, believing that they were good to make soup from. And, uh, you know, I read that and I thought, isn't that just how the devil works? And isn't that often how he uses temptation in order to deceive us? Because as we'll see in a moment from a story from Genesis 3, we'll see that in the Garden of Eden, God had put a specific label on a specific tree. It was God's label on sin. What the enemy did was he switched that label. He put another label on it to say, no, no, this is actually a good thing, and you should be partaking of this. And we read the account in Genesis 3 from verse 1. It says that the serpent or the devil was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Well, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, and here's God's label, You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So God's saying, this thing is toxic. Stay away from it. 
You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So what does the enemy do? He switches the label. He puts his own label on top of what God has said to say, you know what, actually God doesn't really know what he's talking about. This is awesome. It's amazing. You really need to get hold of this. Verse 6 then says that the woman was convinced. And that really is the goal of temptation. It's to convince us that what is wrong is actually right. What is bad is good and what is evil is actually amazing and the very thing we should be pursuing. It says of Eve that she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame. Everyone say shame. You see, shame is always the consequence of giving into temptation. It's how you feel on the inside. It says they felt shame at their nakedness. Now, probably the best way to try to explain temptation uh, is, is to compare it to the bait that a fisherman puts on a fishing hook. Are there any fishermen in the house today? Or maybe they're all out fishing this morning. I see a couple of hands there. Now, 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 now let's, be, let's be honest. As a fisherman, you know in your heart that you do not have an honest relationship with a fish. Isn't that right? Your relationship with a fish is a deceptive one. Isn't that right? And so what you do is you put a worm or a bait or something on that hook to deceive the fish. You want the fish to believe that what you are offering it is actually good and of benefit to the fish because your goal is to lure that fish in under false pretense. And of course, the bait that is on the hook is very appealing to the senses and the desires of the fish. And so that fish finds it very, very hard to resist. And you know, it's the exact same technique that the devil uses tem with temptation. Temptation is the bait to lure us towards the things that are evil or harmful for our lives, even though they are often very exciting and appealing to our flesh. So what I want to do today is just look at a few temptation truths, and then we'll look at a few ways that we can avoid this trap of temptation. Everyone okay? The first truth is this, is that they are part of everyday life. They are simply part of everyday life. You know, it's often said that there are two things guaranteed in life, death and taxes. Uh, there are actually three things guaranteed. Death, taxes, and temptations, they are part of everyday life. And we see here in the Scriptures that even in the Garden of Eden, in the place of paradise, in the place of perfection, even where sin did not exist yet, even there temptation was found. And so, you know, it makes logical sense that in our imperfect world, as with us as imperfect people and messed up situations, we are certainly going to encounter temptation on a regular basis. Uh, in fact, Jesus said in Luke 17, 1, he said, one day he said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin. So we have to accept they are part of everyday life. Secondly, is that we are all subject to them, even though our weak areas differ. All of us are subject to temptations. You can't avoid them. But certainly our areas of weakness will differ. You know, for some people, the greatest area of temptation is, is, is money. 
this desire to try and make money illegally or without having to work for it. For other people, their greatest temptation is perhaps power or, or sex or, or maybe drugs or alcohol or gambling or food. There's many different temptations. We're all subject to them, even though our areas of weakness may differ. You know, if you think about it, even for uh, men and women, we are very often tempted in different areas. You know, men are generally tempted by that which is visually appealing. Isn't that right? In other words, if it looks good, say if it comes dressed in high heels with a short skirt and, you know, bits overflowing and hanging out, and, and if it comes with fluttering eyelids and, and it says, hi. You know, the reality for most men, they are not able to withstand that temptation. Isn't that right? Uh, women, however, are, are not necessarily tempted by that which is visual, but more by that which is emotionally appealing. So things that make them feel good or, or people that make them feel loved and special and pretty, uh, the point simply is that the things that we are tempted in will differ. However, the lure or that, that the desire they create on the inside of us is equally strong for all of us. Thirdly about temptations is this. They drive a wedge between us and God. They drive a wedge between us and God. You know, the devil's primary goal in the Garden of Eden was to drive a wedge between man and God. You know, when he, he came slithering up to Eve, the, the devil wasn't looking for fellowship. You know, he wasn't looking for someone to connect with. It wasn't because he was the devil and therefore he had no friends that he, you know, he thought, well, let me see if I can chat to Eve. We can build a bit of a friendship there. That was not his goal. The devil had one goal in the Garden of Eden, and that was to deceive through temptation so that he could bring hostility between man and God. And, 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 and it's probably worth saying that, you know, people don't just fall into temptation. You know, often we hear that phrase, people say, oh, I fell into sin, I fell into temptation. Now, you don't fall into anything. We, we give into temptation. You know, it's not like there you were one day, you were just serving Jesus, you were being a good Christian, and then you fell into temptation, and all of a sudden the devil jumped on you, and now your life is a mess, and you know, that was the end of the story. No, we don't fall into anything. We always give into temptation, and, and what happens when we give into the lies of the enemy, we create just a small opening, a small doorway there for the enemy to have a foothold so that he can begin to cause havoc in our lives. A guy by the name of Richard Sibbs was a Anglican theologian from the 1600s, and he said this. He said, Satan gives Adam an apple and takes away paradise. Therefore, in all temptations, let us consider not what he offers, but what we shall lose. And I think very often we only see the one side of temptation. You know, we see that which is in front of us. We, we see the prize or the trophy, if you like, and we are drawn towards that. But we often forget that there is, there is a backside to temptation as well. And temptation's goal is always to cause you to lose something in your life. And we have to ask ourselves, if I give into this, what will I lose? What is this going to cost me in my life? Because it will always cost you something. So, for example, if you, uh, if you are prone to giving into sexual temptation, eventually it will cost you your marriage and it will cost you your family. You know, if you frequently give in to money temptation, 
It'll cost you your integrity. It'll probably cost you your job. It may even cost you your freedom one day if you end up going to jail for it. You know, if you give in to alcohol temptation, it might cost you your driver's license at some point when you're caught drunk driving on the roads. It might cost you your relationships with people or your family. It might even cost you your salvation. There is always something to lose when we repeatedly give in to the temptations around us. The fourth thing is that they result from sinful desires. They result from sinful desires. You know, the reality for all of us is that we are born sinners into a sinful world. And because of that, there is always something on the inside of us that is drawn towards temptation. You know, there's something on the inside of us that even though we want to resist it, sometimes we almost feel that we're, we're kind of like a moth to a flame being drawn to these things that entice us. You know, Paul even speaks about this in Romans 17. He says, and maybe you can relate to this. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And if you say, that's the story of my life. I keep doing the things that I don't want to do or that I don't mean to do. But again, there's this natural leaning on the inside of us to be drawn to that which brings a measure of instant gratification to our lives. We are all looking for that thing that makes us feel good or makes us feel happy in the moment. In James chapter 1, verse 13, uh, James says, Remember, when you are being tempted... Do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So firstly, the Bible is clear that it's not God who tempts us. God cannot tempt anyone. The enemy simply uses what already exists on the inside of us. He uses those desires, those cravings that we all have, and he presents us with temptation. And uh, again, for many people, we almost do things sometimes automatically without even thinking, simply because of that which is already on the inside of us. Now, I want to read you something quite interesting. Uh, a guy called Franklin Jones was an American author. And he said this. He said, what makes resisting temptation difficult for many people is that they don't want to discourage it completely. Isn't that right? And I think that's often where the problem comes in. Lord, I don't want to fall into sin. I don't want to do all those things. But yet at the same time, I don't want to discourage temptation completely for my life. In other words, I do want to resist temptation, but just, just not completely. Because there's a measure of pleasure attached to it. So for example, when it, when it comes to sexual temptation, Lord, I don't want to be tempted sexually but I just, I just want a quick touch. Just a, just a touchy-touchy. Or a, a squeezy-squeezy. Or a, you know, maybe just a feely-feely. And a, a bit of a nooky-nooky. But, but, but I don't want to give in to temptation. Just a, you know. Or maybe for those of you whom, whom food is your greatest temptation. I don't want to give in to temptation, but, but I, I just want a small bite. Just a, huh? You know? Huh? <laughs> Just a small bite. Or for those of you who are prone to alcohol temptation, I don't, know, I don't want to give in to that, but just a quick little, you know, just a throwback. It's Christmas. You know, it's Christmas. Just, uh. 
Or for those of you for whom money is your greatest temptation. I don't want to give in to that, but uh, can I just feel the money in my hands for a bit? Uh, can I say this? You will never defeat the demons that you actually enjoy playing with. The things that we entertain, that we allow, we will never overcome those things in our lives. The fifth truth about temptations is this, is that they promise a shortcut to happiness, but they only deliver a longer road to misery and regret. So they promise happiness, but in the long term, they only ever deliver misery and regret. You think about Eve in the Garden of Eden. She was promised wisdom. She was promised knowledge. The enemy went as far as to say, you will be like God if you take hold of this. And man, for Eve, that must have been too much to resist. This shortcut to happiness, this shortcut to everything she'd ever dreamed of. John Piper, the well-known Bible teacher, says that sin gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be happier if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. Isn't that true? And I think particularly in the area of relationships. People go into relationships that they know are wrong, that they know are ungodly, but yet it promises them something in the present moment. It promises to make them feel good now. For the same reason that people go into dodgy business deals because the thought of getting some money now promises me happiness. It's the reason why people smoke weed and why they drink excessive alcohol, why people do drugs, because there's a measure of temporary happiness attached to it. Temptation always promises you so much, but it always leaves you worse off and then produces misery and regret in your life. Now, there's a, a story you may have heard before, but there was a man who was out climbing a mountain one day, and when he got to the top, he heard this noise at his feet, and he looked down, and he saw that there was a rattlesnake there. And uh, the, the rattlesnake, before he could do anything, the snake began to speak to him. And the snake said to the man, oh, I'm about to die. It's too cold for me. I'm freezing. There's no food, and I'm starving. Please put me under your shirt and take me down to the valley below. Well, the man looked at the snake and he said, no, no. He said to the snake, I know you're kind. You're a rattlesnake. And if I pick you up, you're going to bite me and your bite will kill me. No, said the snake. I'm a good snake. I mean, I don't know if there's such a thing as a good snake, but he said, I'm a good snake. I'll treat you differently. If you do this for me, you'll be special. I won't harm you. Anyway, the man resisted for a while, but yo, this was a persuasive snake. And the snake had really pretty markings on it as well. And eventually the man picked the snake up and he put it under his shirt. He carried it down to the valley. And when he got to the bottom, he gently laid the snake out on the grass. And then the snake coiled back, rattled, and bit the man on the leg. And the man cried out in pain and he said to the snake, But you promised! To which the snake replied as he slithered away, you knew what I was when you picked me up. You see, here's the thing. The man thought the snake would treat him differently. Isn't that right? Somehow the man thought, you know what? It'll be different for me. And that's why so many people give in to temptation. Because they convince themselves, no, it'll be different for me particularly in the area of relationships. 
People go into relationships believing that it'll be, it'll be different for them, that God will make an exception for them. Lord, I know your word says this, but you know our hearts, you know our desires. We'll probably get married anyway. And, and, and Lord, you know what it's like. All the warning signs are there, warning bells are going off, but somehow we convince ourselves that it'll be different for us. Can I just remind you, it's never different. It's never different for anyone. Temptation is always a snake that bites, no matter how good it looks. Ladies, even if it comes with a six-pack and picks and biceps and buns of steel, no matter what it comes with, it is always a snake that bites. Guys, even if it comes in those big stilettos and legs for miles and bits overflowing, it is still a snake that bites. Temptation is always a poisonous snake, no matter what it promises. A guy called Tucker Max was a well-known author. He says, the devil doesn't come dressed in a red cape and pointy horns. He comes as everything you've ever wished for. Isn't that the truth? Now, perhaps you're wondering what to buy your kids for Christmas this year, especially if you've got smaller kids. You may want to get them an invisible gym or invisible gen. And uh, these are action figures that no one can see. And uh, the, the manufacturers, this is their selling point. They say they provide the perfect distraction for the child who has everything, and they take up no space at all. Now, these things first came out in 2001, and uh, they were incredibly popular at the time with people buying them off the shelves. And uh, basically, the toy company makes money out of thin air because all the customer gets is the packaging with Invisible Jim or Invisible Jen. Uh, today, you can still buy them online for about 200 Rand. Uh, it costs the manufacturer about 10 Rand to package it. And, uh, you know, you, you say, well, well, why are you telling us this? Because this is exactly what temptation does and what it's like. It promises you so much. The packaging on the outside is amazing. It's going to fulfill all your wildest dreams. But then when you unwrap it, you realize that it's actually empty on the inside. And because it's empty, it leaves you feeling empty on the inside as well. So let's have a look at a few ways this morning as to how we can avoid the trap of temptation. Everyone still okay? How we can avoid the trap of temptation. The first one is the obvious one, is to avoid tempting environments. That's obvious, but also not so obvious. Avoid tempting environments. I don't know if you've realized, but it's much easier to avoid temptation or to avoid a tempting environment than it is to try to get out of a tempting environment. You know, so again, if, if, if your, your weakness or your area of temptation is gambling, then it would make sense not to go to the casinos. Isn't that right? You know, don't think you can go to the casinos and... And then it's late at night and all the lights are going and, and next to you it's ding, 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 ding. And, and, and all of a sudden you pray, ah, oh, Lord, deliver me from temptation. No, no, you shouldn't have been there in the first place. Isn't that right? That's a word for someone today. Or if alcohol is your biggest temptation, don't go hanging out in the bars and the nightclubs. Yeah, but I'm evangelizing for Jesus. No, you're not. 
And then when everyone's getting, you know, as they say, chaselach, and the drink is flowing, and you all of a sudden, ah, Lord, lead me not into temptation. It's too late. You shouldn't have been there in the first place. What about maybe, again, if, if food is your greatest area of weakness? Don't go to the buffet restaurants. You know, where the food is laid out before you as far as the east is from the west. And then when you're standing there, ah, oh, deliver me from temptation, just don't go there in the first place. What about young singles? Maybe we can just chat for a moment. Or maybe even the not-so-young singles. You know, if, you, if your goal is to honor God and, and avoid sexual, sexual temptation, well, you need to use wisdom. You know, we encourage our young people in Durban and in church life, if, you, you know, if you're dating someone, go out in a group together. Build that relationship on friendships. Because if you go out in groups, you have people to be accountable to so that you don't fall into the trap of temptation. Don't think you are stronger than you are. Don't say, no, we're just going to his house for a bit or, or to her house for a bit. And, and, and we're just going to watch a movie on Netflix. We're just going to sit on the couch. It's late at night. We'll have some popcorn and we might hold hands and, and we're just going to watch a movie. And then load shedding happens. And all of a sudden, you plunged into darkness and, oh, 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 Lord, lead me not into temptation, please. By then, it's over. It is too late. You know that. I'm speaking to, you know what I always say, the, the, Lord, the, the louder the laughing, the greater the conviction in the moment there. Proverbs 22, 3. Sensible people foresee trouble and hide from it, but gullible people go ahead and suffer the consequence. Now, there was a TV show that came out, I think the beginning of the 2000s, called Temptation Island. I can't say I ever watched the episode. I don't know why people make shows like this or why people watch them, but nonetheless, it was an American reality TV show where several couples agreed to live together with a group of singles in order to test the strength of their relationship. And so what would happen on one section of the island, you would have four guys, and they would be put in this environment with 12 very attractive female models. Then on the other side of the island, you had the, the partners of the four guys, these four women, who were then placed in this environment with 12 very attractive men. And of course, the organizers of the show would then throw in uh, lots of alcohol and parties and a whole lot of drama, and of course, every single one of them ended up cheating on their spouse and giving into temptation. And then when they would interview them afterwards, they would say, oh, we don't know how it happened. We thought we were stronger than that. No, no, the point is, it is far easier to avoid a tempting environment than to try to get your way out of it when, the, when you are in there. Amen? Someone once said this. I thought this was great. If we don't want temptation to follow us, we shouldn't act as if we are interested. No one ever fell over a cliff who never went near one. Isn't that good, eh? Secondly, if you're going to avoid it, is to strengthen yourself in the things of God. Strengthen yourself in the things of God. You know, the simple Christian disciplines of prayer, worship, being in the Word, being in church, 
these things are given to us by God and designed so that firstly we can discern temptation, but secondly so that we can resist when we are tempted. In Luke 4, 1, it says that uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. That's probably the biggest understatement in the Bible, that he was hungry after 40 days. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. You know, what's interesting here is that the devil came and tempted Jesus in his area of greatest weakness in that moment. He didn't come and offer Jesus a nice new sports car. He offered him bread to eat because that was the area of greatest temptation for him at the moment. But I love the fact that Jesus is not confused by what the enemy says. Jesus simply responds with the power of the word to resist the enemy. Jesus knew what the word was. Jesus declared the word. And because he knew what the truth was, he was able to easily firstly discern the temptation, but he was also then strengthened by that very same word so that he could resist the temptation. Can I just remind us, church, that the closer our walk with God is, the more we grow our faith, the, the more of the word that we get on the inside of us, the more easily we can discern temptation, but also the more easily we can withstand temptation. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You know, none of us are as strong as we think we are. And often people find themselves giving in to things and, and, and then later saying, oh, I couldn't help myself. What they're really saying is, I wasn't strong enough spiritually to withstand this. Make sure, particularly over this December season and the holiday season, make sure you continue to build those spiritual disciplines in your life. Don't have a break from church. Don't have a break from Bible study. Don't take a holiday from praying. Don't stop worshiping because it will give you strength to resist what the enemy brings against you. Thirdly is this, is hold yourself accountable to others. Hold yourself accountable to others. You know, I think it's fair to say that uh, most of us don't like being vulnerable to other people. Isn't that true? Most of us don't like sharing our weak areas with others. We're happy to tell people about our strengths and all the things that we're really good at, but we don't like sharing our weak areas that we are vulnerable to with temptation. You know, again, I think that uh, women are, are generally better at this than men. Uh, we've seen at our, our sisters' gatherings in Durban, and I'm sure it's probably the same year, you know, when the ladies get together on a Friday, they, they gather, and, 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 and there's lots of talking that goes on, and and, and how are you, my friend? No, I'm fine, my friend. How are you? No, we're great. How was your week? Oh, it wasn't so good. I'm struggling. Oh, let's talk through it. Let me pray for you. And at the end of the night, everything's sorted. Guys, we, we don't work like that. You know, when us as men gather, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, is there anything you're struggling with? No, praise God. All good, all good, all good. We, we, we don't like to be weak, to be seen to be weak or, or to be vulnerable, but can I just encourage all of us? I think it is good practice to, to find just a couple of trustworthy people whom you can hold yourself accountable to. People who can firstly pray for you daily so that you are strengthened, but also people that you give permission to speak into your life. 
people who can call you out when you begin to go down a road of temptation. Who can say, hey, stop it, come back, come, come. You know, none of us, again, are as, are, are as strong as we think we are. And, and, and the truth for all of us is that every day temptation will come knocking on your door. In fact, it probably doesn't even knock. I think it more like leans on the doorbell there. You know, but again, if we, if we have those people in our lives, just even one or two maybe, they can firstly pray for you so that you are strengthened, but they can also speak into your life and help you avoid the trap of temptation. And then lastly is this, is know that you don't have to give in. Know that you don't have to give in. You know, I think with temptation all around us nowadays, we, we can almost feel powerless. You know, social media will tempt you, billboards will tempt you, you go into the mall. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by temptation. And, and I think particularly if you are vulnerable in an area, you can feel that you have nothing to resist with. But like everything in life, God has promises for us in His Word. And I want to just read this one lest you've forgotten it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Tell the person next to you, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. I love that promise from God. God is saying there's always a way out. You are not obligated to give in to temptation. You don't have to go down that road. There is a way out because God says there is a way out. But again, we have to look to the Lord. We have to lean on the Lord. We have to grow in the things of God. And we must make sure that we believe the promises of God for our lives. You know, the good news today, whatever temptation you are facing, you don't have to give in. You are not obligated to submit to that lie from the enemy. Because what happens when we give in, it weakens us. We are discouraged. It breaks us down. But every time you resist temptation, you are strengthened spiritually, you are grown in the things of God, and your faith begins to increase. Let me finish off today with one last quote from the book of James. James 1 verse 12. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation, and afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Can you say amen to that? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.